Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss what leadership looks like in the modern insurance business. We talk to insure tech leaders and founders, innovators and change agents from the insurance industry. We also talk to thought leaders from outside the industry, such as organizational psychologists, performance coaches and investment professionals. Anyone who can add value to the conversation on how to lead insurance businesses of the future. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky to be joined by Dr. Avi Baruch of uh, Previsico. Um, Previsico is a name that I've already murdered about five times in our conversation this morning, but uh, Avi, did I get it right that time? You, you got it right, thank you. <laughs> well, that's a good start. So, um, Avi, if you wouldn't mind, can you introduce the business and, um, and we can sort of get into the kind of depths of um, where it's relevant and pertinent to insurance? Yeah, great, thanks. Um, so uh, Previsico is a flood forecasting company that spun up of Loughborough University a couple of years ago. Uh, so at Loughborough, we've been working on a new technology for being able to forecast uh, flooding, in particular surface water and small watercourse flooding. And we've been working on it for the last 20 years in partnership with uh, an environment agency and a cabinet office. Um, and following kind of the development of uh, very kind of smart new technology, we decided to, to form a company to target the insurance sector and kind of the wider business community. Yeah, great. With the, um, how, how early, I mean, it's just, obviously it's been a 20 year project. So how, I mean, it's, it has an obvious in, impact to kind of the insurance market for someone working in insurance, but from, from like the academic point of view, how early was it kind of, into the process that people started saying, well, there's a business hat here and there's a business need. Um, and then how, how long into that did it sort of sort of jump into the insurance world, its application? Yeah, well, it's kind of been uh, obviously over 20 years, it, it, it's been kind of bubbling along. So uh, it, it started off with my, my former PhD supervisor, Professor Yu, he developed his own hydrodynamic modeling software a long time ago, you know, 20 years ago and has been testing it very slowly in a number of different environments mm -hmm. and it's kind of been widely used by different academics in different environments so kind of over the course of those 20 years <clears throat> we've been able to test it for you know coastal river surface water flooding and you know from shanghai to new york um and so i, I guess over those 20 years of building confidence in it and i think the the moment that I guess the first big step was in 2015-16 uh, uh, when um, the cabinet office approached Loughborough University to kind of identify a new technology that could fix the, the problem with flood warnings in the UK, which is that they're only really available for large river systems in the sea, even though uh, the majority of floods are actually surface water. So we, we needed to develop a new solution and that's kind of where they approached us to actually developed something that was not just a, a new tech, uh, like a new scientific approach, but was actually something that could be operationally used by the UK government. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that, that was, I guess, the, the first real step towards getting something that was a bit more operational. Yeah. And then uh, after I finished my PhD, I, I did some research on the project. And I think both me and my uh, former PhD supervisor, Professor, kind of sat down and was like, I think this is it's got commercial legs in it too. It's not just an operational tool for government. It can help insurers. It can help humanitarian organizations and businesses. 
Mm -hmm. um, so we were lucky enough mm -hmm. to get Innovate UK funding to do a kind of market discovery. And what that involved was basically a very good program funded by the UK taxpayer of uh, 20 grand to do a global market exploration. So I had a pretty much an unlimited travel budget to travel anywhere in the world um, to visit people affected by flooding. Wow. And uh, find out what their problems were to help, uh, yeah. help them fix their problems. Um, and that helped us come from the groundwork of what we realized was definitely a very viable business. Mm. How does it work from, um, this is completely sort of out my realm of kind of experience. How does it work kind of evolving a uh, business out of a sort of academic exercise? Does, does the university still hold a stake or, or does it just? Yeah, so the, the university uh, definitely uh, take a stake uh, to, to get started and obviously give the founders uh, a stake to everything. Every, every university has a different approach. Yeah. Um, some are kind of more generous than others. Um, but again, we, we worked really well with Loughborough University, so they, they were pretty fair and, and gave us enough to incentivize us and um, kind of continued giving us kind of, um, you know, opportunities further down the road. So it, it's every university approaches it differently, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's, it's such an obviously like positive way of approaching, you, you know, sort of development and discovery of kind of new ideas because you're coming at it from an academic standpoint. So you sort of... Um, you're root agnostic in terms of kind of the commercials. And then so you can kind of, because one of the problems is, is sort of doing R&D inside a company, you've always got the company objectives are always overhanging you, whether that be budgetary or kind of the direction. Whereas kind of coming at something from an academic standpoint, you know, um, I know we, we, we talked previously and we'll get onto it, but you sort of, I don't want to say stumble because it makes it, makes it sound like this is like um, no planning at all. But, but what I mean is that you sort of, you create the tool and, and then it's like, right, what are the applications for this rather than, right, we need, you know, we're trying to solve a specific solution in, internally. So there's huge positives from that kind of point of view. Yeah, I think, um, I think it just, it really goes down to also, um, I think part of the challenge right now is that a lot of universities uh, have such good research going on, especially on climate change, mm -hmm. and the research and the kind of the, the data that's being produced is incredibly useful for the insurance industry. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the the challenges the universities over a quite a long period of time have struggled to co properly commercialize it and to actually get it used in the real world as much as it could be. And I think that this is where slowly there's a mindset change where more universities are forming spin-outs because it just makes entire sense that, again, the universities aren't, they can commercialize it to an extent, but actually allowing a spin out to just flourish and make its own path, bring its own kind of team members involved to transform kind of the research into something commercially operational is, um, I think, what's starting to happen more and more now, which is really good to see. Because mm. is it more is it more common in, in my understanding, it's quite common in the US to do that. It's, it's much more kind of common, much more commercially minded um but less so in the uk yeah i think i think the uk has a lot of catching up to do and i think uh, especially between the universities some universities have had really good track record um other universities i think have had a really really poor track record so i think you know um i think obviously loughborough had a, a bit of a quiet patch but the last few years there's been having like quite a few new spin outs every year mm -hmm. um so i think mm -hmm. it's it's one of those things where it, a lot of it goes down to actually how the universities manage whether they a lot of them are afraid of spin outs 
uh, because it's, they, they don't know where to go. Because the once you let a company spin out again, it, they, they can take flight. But I think slowly that the, the concerns are really being debunked because I don't think, you know, you just need to kind of trust the founders and help them actually make something out of it, really, as opposed to try and control the process mm. and just let it die if, if you do it much. Mm. Yeah, so my, my point of view is, would be, a, you know, the university should be like the seed, it's almost like the seed round, and then they should, you know, let it run, because presumably once you make that decision to say, right, we're going to spin this out and make this a business, the type of individuals that you need to have involved in the business, they, they change because you need, you know, commercially minded people that are not necessarily academics. Um, you know, what was your experience of that? Because obviously the business has grown now. Um, yeah, where, where did you kind of feel that you needed to bring people in? Where, where, where have been the key areas kind of bringing in talent to the business? Um, so I think the, well, the first person we brought in was a CEO. Um, so uh, Jonathan Jackson, uh, he's kind of formed and, you know, uh, kind of three very successful startups, some of which have made quite impressive exits. Mm -hmm. uh, essentially kind of advising us and we got along very well. And um, I think we, we realized, you know, the, the what what we needed, we had some you know, good academic backgrounds, but what we needed was more support on kind of how to build a business. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that that's been, that was a really smart move for us because I think other spin outs that haven't hired a good CEO really struggled. Because mm -hmm. you need to be able to raise investment to be able to uh, kind of grow the business in the way that kind of you need to uh, come. The, the, the real challenges in the early stages, you need you need that experience. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, sure. And then also, kind of from us working on kind of cloud uh, was you know bringing in resources and expertise. So that was also again the next step, which again at the university we hadn't really been doing. Uh, but again, when you're operational company in the insurance sector, you, you really need that. So it's it's trying all that kind of really exciting code that was written in the academic setting and making ready for the commercial world. Yeah, what's the what's the main difference for that? Is it is a security perspective or just you know the, the robustness of that sort of code? A lot, a lot is robustness. I think yeah. Um, so I think it, to, to be able to scale up, we needed to change a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm. Did the does the university help from the kind of approaches? The the you, presumably you can have a little bit of a pick of the bunch for any sort of bright young, <laughs> bright, bright sort of uh, grads that you uh, that that must make things easy from that point of view. I had to, again. I'm not just saying this, uh, but again, we've been very impressed. So we've had um, uh, Loughborough interns uh, with us um, right from the start. So uh, fortunately, Santander funded internships at Loughborough and quite a few other universities. So we've been taking them in. And last summer, we had some two really bright ones that we decided that we actually wanted to keep. It just happened that, you know, there was a pandemic and they didn't really want to go back to uni. Yeah. The pandemic. So we actually yeah. kept two of them on for a year in industry. Uh, they're still with us now. Uh, so, um, yes, they, it's, it's worked out very well for us. <laughs> but, but, I mean, one of, the, one of the things that we, you know, I'm, I'm constantly talking about because, you know, ta you know, talent is obviously the thing that I focus on in the recruitment game in, in that, there's we're not very good at 
particularly in the insurance industry, in, 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 in telling our story into things like the insurance, um, into the sort of graduate market. And, um, you know, that's why there's lots of people that, you know, you meet people in insurance and they, how do they get into it? Because a family member used to working there. Um, but, and I know your, your business is not exclusively in the insurance market, but what, what really what I'm sort of getting at is that because you're so directly related to the university, um, there's this kind of open line of kind of communication. So therefore you can, you can tell the story of, of, of what the business is doing and therefore you, it, it's much more attractive, you know, it, because it, the transparency is the thing I talk about, you know, people are attracted to, yes, good ideas and good stories, but it's really about the kind of finding out and really understanding it. Um, I think a lot of businesses and industries and insurance is one of those doesn't attract talent because they can't tell their story very well or very, um, transparently because it's this big homogenous lump that says insurance on it and people go mm, I've heard that's a bit boring especially if they're graduates um, whereas you know you've got that direct line so people can see what you're doing and I think that kind of transparency is um, important um, but also it's, it's attractive I think. Yeah I also think what um, I have to say my I guess when I was a graduate I didn't realize how much uh, science was actually needed to do, you know, to, to do insurance properly. Yeah. So again, now that I'm kind of working kind of with, you know, cat modelers and risk engineers, you realize how how smart you need to be to do this well, and what how how scientific approaches that you can do to an extent in this academic background actually how how exciting it act and it is where you've actually got a lot of people in the industry mm-hmm. using that more not come in a different way uh, so it's, it, i think there's definitely a bit of education especially around geography which i've always got a soft spot for yeah is actually helping geography <laughs> actually get into that space because it's such an exciting area yeah no, no you're absolutely right i, I think that's yeah. it's something that the business acknowledges um the industry acknowledges that they don't do very well but particularly yeah how wide reaching it is and um you know geography is a great example you know i, I wouldn't i wouldn't have known before into the industry that um you know geography has such, such a direct application um but i was i always make when i started in in insurance um even actually i was in insurance and then i left uh, insurance to go and work in recruitment into the insurance space it was only actually when i went to the recruitment side i'd even heard of what an actuary did for example so you know um if i did maths at university i wouldn't even necessarily know that that was an option so i just think there's a big job to be done in sort of promoting how wide reaching um the roles can be and you know there's engineering roles within it and um yeah it's um but geography is is such an obvious miss because it's so important to what the business does that um i just don't think we do a good enough job of kind of um spreading that information out there so um I was going to ask you about uh, the Lloyd's Lab because that's how originally we kind of got in touch. Uh, how did you get involved in the Lloyd's Lab? Um, we applied. <laughs> uh, so... did you apply? <laughs> Some people applied, it, you know. You see, so I didn't know. But did you you apply? Uh, yeah, no, we we applied. It's actually um, uh, we we initially. I, I one of the first things when I formed the company I did was I applied, right. um, and we got a response back saying really exciting technology. I think you need to grow a little bit before you get back to us. So actually, so I, I, I got, took, took that on board. Yeah. Um, it was actually, that was the first cohort. So it was literally, you know, a few weeks after we launched the company. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, then kind of, you know, two years passed and we, um, you know, we've grown a lot um, now, almost 20 people and had a really good 
kind of product, but we also have we had some some early use cases, um, some cases with government, some with insurance, and we really wanted to kind of better understand how we fit into Lloyd's market. So I, I felt the timing was perfect, really. Mm -hmm. um, it just also happened to be that we mm -hmm. were the so cohort four, which was kind of the first virtual one. So that was as the pandemic was unfolding, we realized it was all going to be virtual, um, which I feel like was a very good time to almost actually reflect on our proposition and how we can make that work better for the insurance or for the Lloyd's market. Mm -hmm. um, while I guess the rest, everyone else was just trying to figure out what was going on, we at least were being actually quite proactive and kind of co-developing something which uh, was actually very effective in the end. Mm. What did you, what was your biggest learn from, from, from that experience? What's, what's the biggest takeaway that you uh, applied to the business perhaps? So I think it's probably not surprising. Obviously, I think the, the headline, what we realized very early on was, you know, we, we, we came in open-minded, obviously wanting to win new business, but also, you know, generate and what, you know, very clearly on, I'm sure it's not a surprise, use cases was, you know, one of those things where we just need to, the more you, you can't ever have enough use cases uh, to be able to especially convince some of Lloyd's market to to actually mm -hmm. adopt a new technology. Um, so what we did was create use cases and do some kind of historic assessments and validation. And uh, what ended up being kind of our main thing that we produced was our Lloyd's Lab report, which is uh, free to download on our website, um, where basically you can. Uh, where, where what we did was just look at estimating savings that could be produced from being proactive uh, mm -hmm. and mitigating flooding using uh, advanced warning, mm -hmm. making reasonable estimates based on historical events uh, with our Lloyd's mentors, and um, really, yeah, taking taking that forward. So um, we have yeah, a produced report, and I think that that's, was actually a very effective uh, outcome because it helped us very much commercially, uh, kind of taking it to the next level. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I guess, uh, having something really tangible to then be able to present to uh, non-Lloyds non insurers too, actually. Yeah, sure. So, so actually, I mean, that, that'd be quite interesting to learn. In practical terms, you know, what's the kind of service that you offer to the insurance industry? What's the kind of practical nature of, of, of the business? So we are at our heart a flood warning company. So, you know, we developed a unique technology that is very effective at predicting the depth and time of flooding uh, in the hours ahead of an event. So what we can do is be provide uh, actionable warnings. So for example, your property is expected to have a flood of up to 25 centimeters by 3 p.m. today. She says warnings to customers, so both commercial but also uh, direct. Uh, but then there's also kind of further applications and claims. So, uh, yeah, I guess in the Lloyd's lab, what we were doing was estimating the savings. Sorry, sorry, Abby. I'm just, I'm just going to. Um... 
think of having better. Yeah. We are go seamless. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you were saying about the um, the, the 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 offering is your advanced flood warning to customers. Yeah, so again, as a heart, we provide um, early warning and actionable warnings uh, to help mitigate loss. Mm -hmm. uh, so an example could be, um, you uh, based on the latest rainfall forecasts, we've forecasted the depth of uh, 35 centimetres at these properties and uh, 25 centimetres at these properties. Uh, that will occur, you know, starting at 9am today. Um, and then, so we're producing that, you know, across all the country. Um, now, the, the initial use cases, you know, emails to customers, both residential and also commercial. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, in, in addition to kind of the loss mitigation side, there's also helping in claims transformation and also kind of resource allocation and estimating kind of losses. But general, generally, kind of improving the customer journey. So you're getting in touch with them before the event occurs. You're keeping in touch with them during the event and then post event again you've got all the information you need for a very quick claim settlement so it's just i guess um the get, getting ahead and being proactive even before the event occurs mm. and that's much more than it seems to be much more down the line of where we should be going with things because it's it's you know the the, the old model of just indemnifying against loss um is is is, is a great model but it's yeah, we, we, we've not been doing enough, certainly not on the kind of personal line side. I, I think on the commercial side, you know, you see some of the risk uh, risk engineering services that people have offered and they'll go into factories and advise on kind of, you know, fire risks or or, or, or other such kind of um, ways of reducing risk. But um, particularly on the personal line side or, or, or smaller commercial lines, um, we haven't done enough. Um, I don't think, and, and, and arguably it's because the tools haven't been there to do it on scale, but obviously this... Yeah, if, if you get a warning ahead of time, and presumably you just the principle is you raise everything up if you if you need to if you're in one of those areas, and therefore you may get a claim, but that claim would be dramatically reduced from where it should be. Um, yeah. So again, so uh, for example, one of the use cases we looked at in Lloydsdale was you know Hurricane Sandy in New York, where the art galleries were storing um, fine art in the basement. Wow. Um, now. That needed to be moved to higher ground. Um, I think that that's probably the simplest use case. It was just the fine art that was indemnified. So again, 100% of that loss could have been saved. But you know, we've got other ones like you know car dealerships where well, most of the losses would be the cars that are submerged. So you need to have a flood action plan. You need to know where to move them and uh, kind of the systems in place and early warning to then take the action. Mm -hmm. Once you've done that, then what you've just got the building left to protect. Mm -hmm. So. Um, you know, each use case is different, but you know, there's a lot of kind of calculations that can be made, and mm -hmm. that makes sense. So it's it's, it's a no-brainer, really. Mm -hmm. It's interesting as well because it looks at more value-added services you can offer. You know, presumably you can kind of help with more kind of repair, and you know, you can be more proactive across the value chain, as you say. If you're if you're getting in there early, and therefore you're reducing your cost, you can kind of add more value um, rather than kind of saying let's just reduce what we bring in because the, cl the claims reduce therefore the you know it, it, you, you don't always have to pass it all back you can create a better insurance product I would imagine yeah exactly hmm. Hmm. Um, so uh, you know the feedback from the market um, on, on, on the Lloyd's side you know 
what was that like? Um, did you did you have much knowledge of kind of Lloyd's before you went in? Did did, did you <laughs> this this? I had, I had some, but I learned a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's probably what everyone says. But um, yeah, I think you can always learn more about kind of the insurance market, but especially the Lloyd's market. Mm. Um, they, I think they, they, it was. I've been in a couple of accelerators now, and I think it was an accelerator like no other. Um, it was really really interesting that again because of the history they were able not just to help us come commercial but just like show you know us tutorials on like how the whole market works mm. and you know the history and uh, kind of where they're heading the blueprints etc and kind of trying to provide us with data so it was really um really engaging really exciting mm -hmm. uh, just really a massive shame that i couldn't be there face to face with everyone I know, and that that's that is sad because that that is a big part of the experience. And um, you know, it, obviously, I'm a service provider to Lloyd, so I didn't work in there every day. But I, you, I, I still loved it every time I had a meeting, and it was in the it was in the Lloyd's building, and you just you know, it's uh, it's 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 quite something. So it's a bit of a shame that you got that you didn't get that experience. But um, I've no doubt you'll be welcome back in at some point in the future. Yeah, I'll I'll be showing up soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's um. What surprised you most about the insurance industry um, that you've kind of learned from your kind of dealings with it? Good question. Um, I, again, I, I've really enjoyed uh, the conversations we've had with kind of the, the people with the scientific backgrounds who've been mm -hmm. in the insurance industry. Um, there's so much expertise and also kind of, also on the kind of, the propositions teams they're so like you can often have a lot of excitement a lot of really free thinking mm -hmm. uh, and kind of um a lot, lot, lot of co-creation at the right time again it doesn't always happen but i think um there's there's some real gems uh all across the industry that we've really enjoyed kind of working with and talking to mm. um, so i think that that's been um I wasn't always expecting that, I think, right from the start. Um, uh, so that that was, again, a very pleasant surprise. Um, but probably from a very early on, I, I, I never realized how complicated it was because, again, I'm not from the insurance industry, um, from, you know, from the academic background. Mm -hmm. So as I and as I come to studying my market exploration, I was constantly like, software I was like what how many layers are there here <laughs> I did not know that this is how it works especially kind of you know everything about the Lloyd's market you know, the, how the claims how the kind of um, capital resourcing works and everything mm. I, I did not think that was that complicated uh, before I got into it yeah yeah um, no it's it's interesting I think so you touched on this, the collaboration there and, and uh, you know uh, I think collaboration is something the insurance market does well. And, and obviously in Lloyd's, you've got the subscription market. So collaboration is kind of inherent in the model. But I think I, I'm still surprised to this day that how much collaboration there is. Um, and, I, and I swear it must be one of the few industries where, you know, I've worked in lots of offices where they've worked, you know, they've been providing into maybe banking or, or alternative sectors. Uh, and there's still a sort of surprise when I can just pick up the phone to someone I may not know, and and then they will they will help you and they will talk to you. And um, um, and I think when you lump it in with financial services, it, it, you wouldn't necessarily think that. But uh, I just I just I just would echo that, and I find it an incredibly helpful market. I think people are very 
willing to help and collaborate. Um, and it probably doesn't outwardly look like it's going to be like that. So I think that's always quite surprising. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about the non-insurance stuff as well, because it, it, insurance is, a, is a, a facet of what you do. Um, but I know that you work with kind of NGOs as well. Um, you know, it'd be, it'd be good to hear about more of the other work that you do that isn't in the insurance industry and, and the kind of application. Yeah, so I, I guess, you know, where we started off was with government. So the initial kind of grants we got to work with government were working with the police, the fire and rescue and emergency services. Mm -hmm. So again, providing them with a warning to help coordinate the event response. So position vehicles in the right places, kind of uh, be proactive and supporting communities affected by flooding. Yeah. Uh, and that work's still carrying on. Um, we also obviously realized that, you know, providing these warnings to, to businesses and, you know, housing associations, for example, helps them also be more proactive. So it's not just about the insurance industry, it's also about well, like everyone who's affected by flooding, uh, which is again the whole world, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, about I think um, 17% of the, the globe is about is at risk of flooding. So, um, what 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 we've also then been doing is um, when when I was doing my market exploration, I, I was visiting a lot of um, countries that you know had a lot severe flood problem coming in informal communities. So, um, working in Bangladesh and Kenya. And um, what we were quite fortunate earlier this, or uh, late last year was there was a grant uh, available to kind of work together with Kenyan organizations. So we, we partnered up with the Kenyan Red Cross that we've been having a very good relationship with, mm -hmm. and the Kenyan Meteorological Department. And we, we formed a kind of project to start providing our forecasts across the city of Kisumu, which is kind of the, one of the west coast, uh, western cities of, Kis of Kenya. Uh, come by Lake Victoria and mm -hmm. providing our service live there uh, so that that's been happening for the last few months and it's been a really effective project and yeah, a quite quite a good success story for us actually so um, uh, we kind of really wanted right from the start that you know while we're, we're, we can't describe ourselves as an insure tech we are really focused on the insurance market but I don't I think there would be um, it would uh, we're really keen to make sure that kind of our principle is that well these warnings can help anyone and we should be helping those that we can so i think we'll just keep good, keeping that going because i think it's really important to everyone at the team mm. to make that work mm. how do you um how do you balance that um because presumably you know presumably there's kind of a, a balance of resources and, and and one would imagine the things down the insurance line for example provide the commercials but you know you're not necessarily doing it for commercial reading when you're working with with, with yeah, you know certain other parts um yeah grant funding helps <laughs> so <laughs> yeah we, that project was funded by uh, uh catapult which is kind of the uk innovation grant mm -hmm. uh, program so uh, that that helped um that you know allowed us to fund the work and to get it all going. Uh, once you've got it going, again, it's very low running costs, which we're happy to to provide as long as we're kind of a commercially viable organisation. Yeah. Well, you've you've got these um, grant fundings, and there was some funding from Loughborough. Did you get any external investment into the into the business the business side of your? The... Yeah, so, so we, we we raised um, an angel round in our first year, and then last year we raised. Um, uh, got an investment loan from Innovate UK, um, so had had a variety of sources to date. Yeah, yeah. 
So what's the, um, what's the, what's, what's the future? You know, last year was a difficult year for everyone, a lot of remote working um, and things seem to be getting back on track for most things. Is there development of new sort of products and services? Are, are there more kind of collaborative um, pieces? Because I, I meant to ask you, sorry, I, I'm jumping back a bit, but as you were talking about the flooding, and I know I asked you this before, but um, because you're sort of challenging the kind of traditional claims model, you know, more productivity, um, ha have people talked to you about using it in a parametric solution? Um, yeah, um, we've, again, there's a lot of interest around that side. Um, I think right right now we're not doing anything on the parametric um, for for a range of reasons because I, well, I think it's it's one that we should always be thinking about because it can really help. Um, my, my, I think my challenge with it is we are constantly improving our forecasts. So after every single event, we investigate our performance. We see what changes we can make and we make those changes instantly. Yeah. Um, that again, so that our trigger changes. So again, for parametric, it's slightly less suitable um, yeah. right now, but that could change in the future. Mm. Um, so I think it's one where I think our claims proposition is less about parametric, but more about fast tracking and making a really speedy claim. So for example, if you have provided the customer advanced warning, the customers then communicated back saying, this is what they've done. This is what, you know, they've managed to move their car and their TV, but there's some uh, very small scale damage, probably likely to be in, in the, you know, 2000 mark. Uh, I guess at that point, the, the insurer has a lot of information to be able to rapidly process a claim. Mm -hmm. It's about actually, we've got a role to play in the claims process, certainly, whether it's parametric or actually just speeding it up and triaging mm. um, is, is, you know, that's possibly where we're going to be more effective. But I, I, yeah, I think we'll, we'll, time will tell. I think time, very early days of parametric, I think it's going to go in a very interesting direction over time. Yeah, yeah well, it was the hot topic of last year, certainly for me. I, I mean, I was talking about it a lot, and, and obviously the guys at Flood Flash, and uh, who I think you, you've mentioned, you know, the guys over there. And um, yeah. I was just thinking the conjunction of, of of two kind of technologies. You know, if you can proactively try and reduce the claim by, you know, good warning, and then and then obviously you've got this trigger. Um, you could reduce you could reduce that trigger amount, or you know, there's there's. It, it, what's great is I think I think your business just gives opportunities for insurance businesses to be quite creative and, and proactive about how they produce insurance products um, and where it sits. Yeah, again, Flower Flash is fantastic. It just gives them an option. Like if you think you're good at managing your own risk, take our product yeah. and you'll get payout. You don't need to have the whole claims process. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, I think it's complementary to also what we're doing, which is, if you think you're good at managing your own risk well here's a wanting to help you mm. in, you know implement that hopefully that you know that can again make help you in deciding what's the best insurance product for you yeah yeah i think that's it i think I, I, it's, it's interesting to see a lot of these things are putting control back into the hand of the consumer you know they are exactly as you say they're saying you know how do you think you're good at managing your own risk then let's give you tools to kind of reward that really which is interesting yeah. Um, but I sabotaged my own question because I was asking about the future and then I sort of threw you back into parametric so apologies for that but um, yeah so Abby what's what's um, what's kind of future plans in terms of kind of growth because um, you focus more on the UK is, is it, uh, so what, what you know uh, what we've been doing today was really making sure that our UK product 
because it works well and is very good. Now we're live across the whole of the UK, but uh, last year, you know, we raised investment to target the US. So we've been uh, kind of gradually setting up our US products and you know, later this year, we'll be going live across the whole of the US. So um, we, we're making very good progress there. We've also getting some, some early traction in Asian markets. So I think geographic expansion is the key. Uh, that's, that's the main development, but it's also improvements to our products. I think there's there's a lot behind what can make a very good early warning. And the key is we're not 100% accurate. Uh, you know, every forecast is going to have uncertainty around it. So there's, I think that the key is what, what's going to make us successful now, but also moving forward is being the leader in being pro providing a very good proactive warning. So we're just putting a lot of resources into the kind of data analytics side um, and the uh, just getting all the information we need to make the product as accurate as possible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Well, look, I mean, thank you so much for taking the time to you know, join me on the podcast. Um, it's, it's, it's a really interesting area of the market. And, and it's nice to talk to someone, you know, from from outside is kind of like bringing new ideas, because I think, you know, touching on that collaboration aspect, um, what's very clear is kind of the future of insurance is is up for grabs in terms of what it looks like. And I think that's the, what I like about, you know, we talked about flood flash, but what I like about kind of a lot of these um, and your business is it's it complementary. You know, it's 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 just saying that the insurance market can be served up as as a product and a service in many different ways. And um, yeah, it's really exciting to see. So, Avi, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me this morning. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Cheers. Thanks a lot. As always, this podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, often simply known as FinPro. FinPro is an executive recruitment business working in the insurance and insure tech space on an international basis. If you would like to find out more about FinPro, please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com or our FinPro company page on LinkedIn. I've been your host, Alex Bond, and I would personally love to connect with anyone who is interested in the changing world of insurance. So feel free to reach out to me directly, um, either on LinkedIn or via my email, uh, alex at wearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I hope to see you back next week. Thank you.